0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Disaster averted. Disaster averted. The New York Mets did not, I repeat, did not get swept by the Washington Nationals. It was not easy. It was scary. It uh, caused many a stomach ache. But the New York Mets did salvage the finale against the Nationals, winning a wild game at Citi Field 9-8. to eight. They do lose two out of three to the Washington Nationals, but the Mets are able to stop the bleeding. A four-game losing streak that really came out of nowhere. The last time we were doing a RICO, wrapping up the series against the Giants, and wrapping up the overall successful West Coast trip, I think we looked at those two losses in San Francisco and kind of shrugged our shoulders and said, yeah, sucked, but what a great road trip. They started off 7-1. and They finished 7-3. and The schedule's about to get soft, which I should never talk about, especially after what happened last year. I should never talk about how easy a schedule is because we know how well that worked out last year. And the Mets come home, and they looked lifeless. They really did. And a lot of times after a long road trip, that first game back can be one of those kinds of games. The problem was the Mets did it two days in a row. And I actually thought the second game of this series, they actually looked worse, especially defensively, than they did in the first game of the series. But we'll break down all three games. We'll take a look at what happened. We'll look ahead towards the series against Atlanta as the Mets are set to begin what is scheduled to be a four-game series against the Braves. But there's a lot of rain in the forecast. Let's start at the end because, and I said this on the air to Craig, Craig asked me, hey, are you panicking as a Med fan? And we did receive a few emails after the game two loss saying, hey, we need an emergency Rico. Can you believe this crap? We we just got shut down by the Nationals, one run in two games, emergency Rico. I didn't feel emergency. I didn't have that emergency feeling. I didn't. doesn't mean I was okay with losing these two games, but it's baseball. You're going to have these kinds of stretches. I don't want to tip my hat to Mackenzie Gore and Josiah Gray, but they actually look pretty good. I didn't take it as the Mets just getting shut down by crap pitching. What I said to Craig was, I would be concerned if the Mets lost this finale. If the Mets got swept by the Washington Nationals and were now staring at a five-game losing streak going into the Braves series, not that the sky is falling, but yeah, I'd be angry. because It would sort of remind me of the way I felt in the midst of that Milwaukee series. I wasn't panicking necessarily, but we weren't feeling great about the way the team was playing. So I thought, and I've said, said this before, there are games in a 162 that just feel a little bit more important than others. I'm not calling it a must-win game. I'm not even necessarily calling it a big game, but a game that just feels more significant than maybe the others And I thought that on this night, Thursday night, the New York Mets played a game that was a little bit more significant than others. They winning this game would have kind of calmed any angst, calmed it, doesn't solve it, calms it. Losing this game could have caused panic, especially if you also root for the New York Rangers because you're already panicking. Your team basically blew a lead against the Devils. You're on the precipice of getting knocked out. If you're a Ranger Met fan, that would cause major, major angst. I'm sorry. Oh, can I ask you, Evan, wh- why did you have to do that right now? Like,
1: why? The, this is not the Nets. The Nets didn't just lose and get
0: swept. Like, this has nothing to do with it. Like, there's nothing relatable. What? Why do that right now? Of course it's relatable. We have, as sports fans, we share teams. You know, obviously there are Ranger Mets fans. There's Islander Mets fans. There's some Devil Mets fans. There are some Knicks Mets fans. There are, you know, we're, we're all mixed up. So I was just saying that if you happen to be a fan of the Rangers and the Mets, you couldn't have lost Thursday night along with getting shut out by the Devils. Like you couldn't have had both of those things happen. So I'm glad that at least the Mets were able to, uh, I'm sorry. I'm such a jackass. You're, you're Dick. <laughs> You're a dick. (laughs) This this podcast is supposed to take me away from everything else going on in the world. And then you go, How about those Rangers? No, 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 no. You're right. I will not mention the Rangers, the Devils, the Knicks, anybody ever again on this podcast. It's exclusive to the Mets. Uh, The finale of this series featured your boy, Joey Lucchese, taking on Trevor Williams. And I thought Lucchese's performance, see, his final line is going to look average. Five and a third innings, five hits, three runs. I thought he was really good in this game because in the first inning, he had control issues, and he put himself into a pretty rough spot, bases loaded two out for this Stone Garrett. And he was able to make a very pitch, and a very good pitch, and a lucky pitch because Stone Garrett went to the warning track, which I thought had a chance to get out. And he threw a lot of pitches in that first inning. Had a nice, easy second inning. Makes the big mistakes to Alex Call giving up the home run. Pitches a clean fourth. Pitches a relatively clean fifth. And his pitch count was low enough where Buck sent him out for the sixth inning. Which feels important. You know, we've talked about how this rotation doesn't go deep enough. They're minus Adam Adovino, who's on the paternity list. Uh, they're playing one short because Max Scherzer suspended. So I love the fact that Buck said to him, go get the sixth inning. He didn't do it. He gave up a couple of base hits and it forced Buck to have to go to the bullpen and Tommy Hunter, and they allowed two of the runners to score. So the inherited runner coming in made the line look a little bit worse, but he did pitch into the sixth inning. He threw 90 pitches, and I think Luke Casey is certainly staking his claim to remaining in this rotation because with Max Scherzer coming back and with Justin Verlander scheduled to come back, there is a little bit of competition. There is a little bit of an audition. And I said this last time, and I think what happened on Thursday only furthers it, the odd man out is likely David Peterson. Assuming Scherzer comes back, Well, he will, he's just suspended, but assuming Verlander comes back after his one rehab start, which is scheduled to be on Friday. Joey Casey made another strong case to remain in this rotation. And I thought that was a major, major positive. The other positive from this game was the offense. The offense did absolutely nothing for four straight games. It's not a coincidence why they did nothing. Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso combined over the course of the four-game losing streak, and it actually continued over the first four at-bats on Thursday, they were in a combined two-for-32 slump. You combine what happened to start Thursday, it extended up to two-for-36. This met offense, and I think a lot of offenses rely on a couple of guys, so I don't think it's that unusual. But this offense relies as much as any other team on their big boys. And when their big boys are doing nothing, and Lindor and Alonzo have done nothing over the course of this four-game losing streak, it's not a great offense. It's an anemic offense. Pete Alonzo specifically looked really, really bad, but he was able to have, I thought, two incredibly important at-bats and probably a third throughout this game. When Alonzo came up in the second inning, and at that point it's 0-0, He hit the ball really well on the first pitch. SNY missed it, essentially, because they came back from commercial late. It was a reminder that I love going to games and not having to rely on watching the games on TV. I went to the opener of this series, which I'll get to. I did not go to the final two games of this series. But first pitch, Pete hits the crap out of a ball. And I thought that was a good sign. Like, you know, guys in an over-17 slump, you are looking for some positives. The real good sign I thought was that they put together a little rally in the second inning, Jeff McNeil, Vogel back a couple of base hits and Mark County gives you the productive out, the sacrifice fly, which the Mets did so much of a year ago. Then the two out rally in the fourth, Brad Beatty hits a home run. His first one since being recalled Francisco Alvarez gets a base hit in the midst of the rally. Brandon Nimmo gets a base hit. Starling Marte draws a walk and then Lindor. Who's had a few hits, Over this four-game stretch, a double and a meaningless single hits that ball on an 0-2 pitch right over first that squeezes in for a two-run double. And at that point, the Mets go up 4-1. to Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And here's how wrong I was about this game. At 4-1, I had a sigh of relief. I thought to myself, right, we got this. is going to give him six solid. The bullpen's going to be fine. And we're looking at like a neat and tidy five to two win. Like the Met offense in my eyes after the Lindor double, I was thinking to myself, all right, you guys have done enough. You're good. You have been dismissed. And little did I know that that's not how this game would go at all. Because I mentioned the two inherited runners that scored in the sixth that made it close. Then the Mets busted open in the bottom of the sixth. And again, I have that same attitude. Francisco Lindor swinging 3 and 0 with the RBI double, Pete Alonso with the infield drawn in, RBI single, even Daniel Vogelbach with a little blooper for an RBI single, and the Mets have broken it open again. It's 7-3. So I feel like I'm still right, okay. This game's over. I feel good. Tommy Hunter even came out back out for the 7th inning and pitches a 1-2-3 inning. And what I witnessed in the top of the 8th inning made my heart stop about 15 times because the combination of Tommy Hunter and Brooks, Brooks Raleigh hit Raleigh, 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 it's Brooks Raleigh. (laughs) That one just uh, finagles me. Ah, finagles me. I don't even know what the hell that means. Brooks Raleigh and Tommy Hunter proceed to hit three freaking guys. And the Victor Robles hit batsman really pissed me off because I don't think it hit him. I, I, I still don't. I still don't see where that baseball hit him. So maybe maybe Buck should have challenged it, or maybe I'm blind. <laughs> and it did hit him, and I just I didn't pick up on it. And then out of nowhere, and I didn't feel it coming, C.J. Abrams hits a grand slam home run, and the Nationals go from being down 7-3, 7-4, to up 8-7. And my stomach dropped. And for about 10 minutes, I thought to myself, is this Met team, the team from 2022? Because if it is, they're going to win the game. I saw the Mets blow leads in 2022, and then they would instantly come back and win. That's what I saw a year ago. So as Mason Thompson came into the game, bottom of the eighth inning, six outs away from getting swept by the Nationals, I I had a deep breath, deep breath, because I'm also watching the NFL draft and the hockey game, which I'm not allowed to talk about anymore. But now my focus is squarely on my Metsies, squarely. Can they really lose this effing game? That's what I'm thinking to myself. Could they lose this game? And what are we going to say? Like, we're going to come on the Rico and say, yeah, great, the Met offense, seven runs. But for some reason, Tommy Hunter and Brooks Raley is hitting everybody, and C.J. Abrams is hitting a grand slam. And we're going to ignore the seven runs and say, yeah, but they didn't do anything in the eighth. They didn't do anything in the ninth. This team sucks. Let's, uh, let's just all cry. And what was so huge in that bottom of the eighth was that Starling Marte eased it with a leadoff single. Just eased it. Nice little deep breath. Okay. And it's good to see Starling looking like the old Starling Marte. And then he steals second, which was monstrous because Lindor has the productive out. hits a ball to center field to move him to third on the sack fly. And then Pete Alonzo, we talked about the big at-bats he had on Thursday, the deep fly ball to center, the RBI single with the drawn in infield, And then he smokes an RBI double up the alley to tie the game. And again, as the Mets tie the game, there's a sense of relief of, all right, we got this. I don't know why I felt that way, but I felt we got this. And obviously, Jeff McNeil, who's starting to look like the Jeff McNeil from last year, I think he's got that batting average right around 300. Strokes an RBI triple in which Lane Thomas turned the wrong way. Mets can't get the extra run home which was sort of frustrating because Daniel Vogelback is always looking for a walk and he struck out looking but David Robertson who's been that guy all year a nice calm one two three inning in the ninth and the Mets win a game that would have been a gut punch if they lost let's be honest imagine losing this game the way they did a four-run lead in the freaking eighth inning and they came very close to blowing it but the Mets showed great resilience their offense came to play. David Robertson got the big outs when they needed to. That's a much needed win because that would have been a smack in the face if they lost that game.
1: Yeah, I think you uh, explained it pretty perfectly because my emotions were pretty much on point with y- yours. Um, when Abrams hit that grand slam, I really thought that they weren't going to come back. I did take a deep breath. I said, actually, I put on Twitter that I um, assumed a major meltdown was going to happen in my house in about 20 minutes because of what was going on with everything else in the world. Um, so I did not expect them to come back. I gotta, I gotta be honest. No matter how putrid the Nationals bullpen is, I did not see that coming, um, and I was very concerned. I was concerned of a sweep, dude. That's that that uh, everything that that you said that Craig was busting chops with and Tierney was busting chops with. I was w- waiting for tomorrow to be like a nightmare
0: scenario to walk but, into work. But but you know what's weird the concerns over the last few days, the concerns over the losing streak, if you had was all about the offense. It was all about the fact that they were not scoring runs. That would have not been the thing from this game because they went out. And until they scored the two runs in the eighth inning had put up seven runs, it just would have been, An unfortunate bullpen meltdown that featured only one base hit, the Abrams Grand Slam, and not one, not two, but three hit batsmen, and then just a bad defensive play by Lindor, who's had a few over the course of this series. So it would have been a different way to lose. It wouldn't have followed the same script of the offense being inept. So I'm not saying that would have made us feel better, but (laughs) it would have been very unique from the other games.
1: Now, you know, you you brought up the Lindor uh, issue uh, with the defense. I don't understand why this series in particular. The crowd looked terrible. It, it, I know the Nationals don't have that sexy, spicy name to be like, "Oh, let's go see, let's go see uh, whoever it is." Like you know, Juan Soto. They have nobody on this team that of name, but there was zero crowd. In my yep. opinion, they looked yep. three games of de- dead ball. The team played flat, and the defense really took a hit after playing flawless yeah. over the first few weeks.
0: Yeah, the defense was awful in this series. They made five errors in three games, which is crazy considering, like you said, Pete, how well this team had been defensively. Lindor made two errors. The error he made in the opener of the series turned out not to matter because they got through it. The error he made in this game, the finale of this series, we are recording this right after the game. So it's a little bit of an instant reaction to the game. But We'll obviously get into the other games in the series. But the error he made in the eighth inning was monstrous. Like, if the Mets lost this game, that could have been a play you looked at and said, wow, that changed everything. Because, again, the Nationals' base runners in the eighth inning before Abrams hit the Grand Slam were one, two, three-hit batsmen and a bad error by Lindor, who overall has been fine defensively. So, yeah, I, I don't know how to explain why their defense was bad in this series. There were a lot of different kind of errors. Lindor made two errors. Uh, Escobar had a ball go through his legs. Adovino made a bad throw, I think, on a pickoff attempt. Alonzo dropped the pop-up, which I, I don't know how to explain that. The crowds, I don't know, man. It's April. It's the Nationals. They did very well when the Padres came to town, which was weeknight games. These are weeknight games. I, I guess it's the opponent. But they announced basically the same crowd for all three games, which was 20,000, which is as small a, a smaller crowd as you'll ever see at City Field. And they sort of played it as if they had a West Coast hangover. They did. And, and and that could be real.